Well, I want to make one brief note before we get started here. Uh, we're going to be doing a baptism service on February 5th. We have some folks that have asked to get baptized. Um, so we're going to do that. And if you have been thinking about getting baptized or want to do that, please talk with me. We'd love to do that at the same time. I just would like to just meet with you and just talk with you a little bit about that, what baptism is, why it matters, why we do it. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, please uh, let me know, and uh, we will get that uh, set up. With that said, um, let, let us pray, and then um, we will uh, go and, and I will uh, preach, but let's, God, let's ask God's blessing on the preaching of the word this morning. Uh, God, we, we ask uh, this morning, God, my, my prayer is that my words be your words, God. God, I, I pray uh, for what is now to be said, God, that your word, that your, uh, as the gospel is preached and proclaimed and expounded on and applied, um, God, that what is said falls onto open hearts and minds. Um, God, I just pray that you, um, God, you work through the preaching of your word, um, and my prayer is for that this morning. God, we're going to be talking about uh, um, the tools that you've given us as a church to build bridges, um, to reach people with the gospel, to change lives. God, help us to use them. God, you've empowered us through your spirit to do that. God, and I pray that we do that for your glory. God, we want to bring about reconciliation and redemption to weary people, uh, to the world around us. It is indeed a divided world. Um, a world that in, in many ways is anti-Christ. A world that in many ways is drifting away from you, at least here in the West. God, may we be a church that fights against that drift through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may we be a people that are actively going and, and reaching people with the gospel through uh, your power. God, we pray for changed lives. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Um, I'm so glad that you are here this morning. If you weren't here last week or maybe you forgot what we talked about, that's okay. Sometimes I forget and I, and I, and I was the one that preached. Um, but we started a new sermon series called Building Bridges. And, and we discussed how, how God has given us the, the right uh, uh, blueprints, the, the plan in the Holy Scriptures to build a bridges, to reach people, to, to, make, uh, to be a people of, of forgiveness. And as we continue through our Building Bridges series today, we're going to look at the next step in the process, uh, which is going to make sure we have the right tools for the project. Now, I ran across a great story this week. It's a true story. During uh, the American Revolution, there were a bunch of soldiers that were building a defense barrier. And they're building this defense barrier, and they were behind, and there weren't enough men, and they were exhausted and tired, and they were feeling defeated. They had lost some battles, and they were defending against the British, waiting for an upcoming attack. And so they're building this barrier, and their leader is uh, shouting instructions at them, but he was making no attempt to help them at all. And a rider drove by, and he asked uh, the, uh, the corporal, he said, Corporal, um, why are you just yelling at these troops and not helping them? And he said, sir, I'm a corporal. 
Um, if you know anything, that's basically the lowest non-commissioned officer in the army. Um, but the stranger apologized. He dismounted, and he proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. And when they got the job done, he turned to the corporal, and he said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this that needs to get done and not enough men, please ask your commander-in-chief, and I'd be happy to come again and help you. And it was none other than George Washington. It's a true story. Um, he was an amazing leader. But see, there was a clear, why well, I say this, there was a clear barrier between the commander-in-chief, George Washington, and those soldiers. But George Washington, he broke that barrier, bridged the gap to support his fellow soldiers in the struggle. This morning, we're going to be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you want to turn in your Bibles to page 1040, that's 1040, um, starting in Luke chapter 10. We're going to be starting in verse 25, um, that's page 1040, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And this is Jesus' interaction between a, a lawyer or a teacher of the law, and it says this, starting in uh, verse 25, chapter 10 of Luke, it says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher... What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So we have this deliberation between Jesus and a lawyer. Jesus and a lawyer. Now, a lawyer in the, old, in, in the first century was different from a lawyer in 2023. It wasn't like a guy or gal who practiced law, who was like a defendant or a prosecutor or did tort law or whatever. There's so many different types of lawyers. That's not what they did. What they were is they were an, an expert in the Old Testament law. So how to live it out, what it means, how you apply it to your life. And they had spent probably most of their life studying the Old Testament law and, and its application to your life. And so as this lawyer approaches Jesus, um, the lawyer knows what the law says. He knows it, he understands it. So this question that he's asking, he's actually putting Jesus to the test. He's testing Jesus. And what he wants to see, he wants to see, is Jesus genuine? Does he, like, what kind of prophet is he? Is he a false prophet? Does he know what he's talking about? Is he just making things up on the fly? Um, and is it a good question? Does he ask a good question? Certainly, it's a good question, but there's a bad motivation behind it because not only is this a test, but the lawyer himself is mistaken with the idea of what he needs to do to earn his way into heaven, quote, unquote. Even as an expert of the law, the lawyer uh, was still uh, mistaken for what it takes to have eternal life. He doesn't get it. Um, and we're going to see that in that interaction in just a minute. But Jesus, what he does here is he challenges the lawyer's knowledge when he says, what does the law state? What does it say? knowing that the lawyer knows what it states. And the lawyer responds correctly. He says, uh, he says, um, he says I love, uh, he responds correctly. And I love what Jesus replies, how he replies back. He says, okay, you know what it says, but now go and do it. Go do it, because you're not doing it. 
You know what it says, but you, you haven't put it into practice. You, you understand here, but you, it's not in your heart. Like the story of George Washington, this opening portion of our reading, uh, as Christians, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We can be like the corporal in the story and watch others struggle, or we can take action. Last week, we discussed the blueprints necessary for uh, bridge building. And now that we have a plan, we need to take action. We need to actually put the plan into action. In the case of building a bridge, that means gathering the right tools together to start the work, which is what we're going to talk about today. Having the right tools can make or break any project. If you've worked on a home project, built anything, you know having the right tools matters. And as believers, we've been given some divine tools to help us. I believe that God has given every single Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit a toolbox. You have a toolbox this morning to build bridges, to, to make disciples, to do what Jesus has called you to do. This is what Paul says they are in Galatians 5, through 23. He says this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And Paul is talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit here. Paul defines the tools we've been given by the Holy Spirit to build bridges, to connect with people. And it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, it's Christian character. It's Christian character. It's the character of Christ. Not mere moral or legal correctness, though it's important to have a right relationship with God, but the possession and manifestation of these nine graces in our lives. These, these tools that God has given you through faith and the Holy Spirit are the foundation of the moral portrait of Christ. And if we want to be uh, bridge builders and bridge the gap and eliminate the chasm between others today, we must ensure we have the right tools for the job. Now, I have uh, with me this morning this. Does anyone know what this is? It's an Allen wrench. Okay, this is an Allen wrench, right? And here, I'll, I'll tell you why I have this in just a minute. As parents, you know the, the joys of raising kids. Kids are a blessing from the Lord. They are a gift. They're they an amazing blessing. But you also know the pains of parenting. And there's one distinct job as a parent that is the worst job in the world. It is absolutely the worst. It's not changing diapers. It's not cleaning up vomit. It's building toys. Now, I have already told you a few months back that I hate building furniture. Like, I would rather, like, do anything else, like, pull my nails out with the players. I mean, I just, I hate it. But I also hate building toys. Every time I have to build a toy, I just, I dread what lies ahead. You know how frustrating it is when you, you have that five-foot-by-four-foot box show up at your door from Amazon or UPS, and you know that it's full of nuts and bolts and instruction manuals that don't make sense, and they give you this. They give you this. One of these. Maybe two if you're lucky. You get this. To complete the entire job. And if you just use this, it's going to take you eight weeks. Eight weeks. I, I, to build that play kitchen, right? It's just going to take forever. I am almost positive that they build these out of, like, recycled tinfoil and the tears of parents. Like, I, I, 
you, you start to use it and it strips and it falls apart immediately. It's absolute pure and total trash. They're garbage. And at some point, if you're smart, you realize, you know, I can simply go to the garage and I can get out the drill. And I can get a few bits and I can knock that sucker out in two hours. I mean, it's going to be easy. But if I use this, it's never going to get done. It's going to fall apart before you even get five bolts screwed into the darn thing. You see, the instructions by themselves won't get the job done. And insufficient tools may indefinitely prolong the project. Sometimes you simply need to grab a different, more precise, or more powerful tool to finish it up. When we're building bridges in our community, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we have access to an amazing array of tools that God has given you for various kingdom projects that God has called us to be a part of. Whether that's reconciliation, reconciling others to God, evangelism, discipleship, or missions, um, we must be willing to take advantage of the opportunities we've been given and use the tools that God has given us. He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit for a reason, and it's not just to edify yourself. It's to reach other people. The truth is this. We all have opportunities. Every one of you sitting in the pews this morning, you have opportunity to build a gospel bridge, to bridge into someone else's life, to, to lead someone to Christ, to invite someone to church, to help someone in need. Every single person here this morning has an opportunity. Jesus says this in John 4.35. He says, uh, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What is Jesus talking about here? He's not talking about corn or soybeans. He's not saying, you know, your fields are ready to be harvested out, you know, with, the, with your John Deere or whatever you want to use. I don't want to get into that whole debate and have guys fighting over what tractors they use. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about corn and soybeans and wheat. He's talking about people. Jesus is saying you have an opportunity. There are people all around us in the town of Wellman, in our county, in our community, who are hurting, who are in need, who are in an abusive relationship, um, who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, who don't know Jesus, whose marriage is falling apart, whose kids are just, are just running wild and they're just at their wit's end, who are, who are drifting from following the Lord. There are folks all over our community who need the gospel, who need Jesus, who need a helping hand. And you know who's going to do it? It's not just going to magically happen. It's you. God wants to use you. You have an opportunity. The fields are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest, and you have the tools. You have what's necessary. We have the blueprints, we have the right tools, and as we continue to strive to love one another, we need to bridge those gaps. It's not just a maybe we should do it. No, we must do it as a church. We have an opportunity to show the true character of Christ through love. Brothers and sisters, the fields are ripe all around us. There are people perishing and going to hell that don't know Jesus. All around us. God is already at work in this community preparing a harvest for us. We just have to go and get it. As Christians, 
We're called to be a reflection of Jesus, and what better way than to be a mirror to show grace and mercy to those in need? There are opportunities around us every day, and this is what the Good Samaritan is talking about, someone taking those opportunities. Our story continues in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. Just listen to what's going on here, okay? So Jesus is going to tell a, a, a parable back to this lawyer about what it means to live uh, out the kingdom of God in their lives. He says this, A man, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when, and when he saw him, he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is a form of money, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whenever more you spend, I will repay you, when I come back, Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. When the lawyer heard about the priests and Levite, one was a religious person, one was a good Jew, he probably expected Jesus to say, oh, next a common Jewish man came along to help. But Jesus absolutely shocked this man by saying that an enemy, the Samaritan, was the actual hero of the story. Generally speaking, in the first century, Jews and Samaritans despised each other, both racially and religiously. The Jews considered Samaritans to be half-breed traitors, and that hatred went back hundreds of years. Samaritans thought Jews were pompous, overly religious know-it-alls. The culture gave the Samaritan plenty of reasons to hate the Jewish man and pass right by. Just move right on by and ignore him. But he doesn't. Instead of passing by, the Samaritan showed grace to the Jewish man. He didn't wait to be asked. He didn't, didn't kind of go home and think about it. He went and did. He looked, he saw someone is in need, and he took compassion. He didn't put together a committee. He didn't do a bunch of things. He saw a need, and he took a risk, and he did something. The Samaritan gave freely of both his time and his resources. He took time and resources to help this man. He took action. Time and money are tools in our lives, and sometimes we use them well. Other times we, we use them poorly. In the story of the Good Samaritan, neither the priest nor the Levite, they, neither one of them had time. They, they, they walked by. They saw the person needed. It was in need. They looked, they assessed the situation, and they said, I, I'm just not going to deal with that. I'm just going to keep, keep walking by. They both had an amazing opportunity to extend help to another human being, but they literally just walked right on past and ignored the situation. They ignored the injured man. 
Maybe they didn't want to pause their busy life to help him. Maybe they were going somewhere that was just too important. Uh, they didn't have time to stop. They didn't want to take the money necessary to help the person. What, what I, we don't know. The text doesn't tell us. The Samaritan shows us what can be done with a little extra time and a little extra money. He was able to help the half-dead traveler. Here's the thing. Are there opportunities that we're missing out on? Are there opportunities that we're missing out on as a church, as people, that we're just walking by? And maybe God, if we're not, maybe we're not in tune enough with the Holy Spirit, and we're walking by, and God is calling us to help, but we're, just, we're moving too fast in life, and we just we don't see it. I think we are. I think I'm missing opportunities, and I need to slow down, and I need to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit, listening, being ready to use the tools that God has given me. I, I think that's probably true for many of us. Is it a matter of time? We're just too busy? Is it a matter of finances? Is it a matter of ability? I don't think I have the ability to do it. Is it something else? Third point is this. We have to reach out our hand. You have to reach out your hand. Now that we, we understand the blueprint and we know the foundation of our tools, it's time to start building. We can bridge the gaps between cultures, friends, families, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and enablement of God. So where do we begin? I'm going to tell you where we don't begin. It doesn't begin with government. It begins with the local church, God's people, working to help people in local communities. That's where it begins. We're not going to depend on government. We depend on God and the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you to help people. I would argue that you begin in your own home, in your own circle of influence and relationships. Start, start where you have proximity to others on a regular basis. Maybe it's your barista at the local coffee shop in, in Kelowna or here. You know that they're just struggling. You can do something to help. Maybe it's the UPS driver you've gotten to know over the years. Maybe it's a family member you haven't talked to for, for maybe a couple years because of what happened a few Christmases ago. Maybe it's a coworker, someone that you know that's in need. Bridge the gap. Bridge the gap. Be bold in prayer and intentional in action. Don't just let it stop with prayer. Be intentional in action. As we reflect Jesus to others around us like the Samaritan did, it won't always be easy. It's not going to be easy. In fact, just like we saw in our story, it may even cost us, and it probably will. It may cost us time, money, energy, mental real estate. Fill in the blank. But we must be willing to go the extra mile. We must be willing to take action on behalf of others. We must be willing to pay the cost. This may sound a bit too melodramatic, but at the end of the day, we are all we have. God wants to use you. His plan is you, is the church. Your relationship with others, your ability to know and be known by those in your community and that are around you, these are things that add undeniable value to our lives. And unfortunately, the world around us is less and less a place that fosters healthy relationships. But as I mentioned in week one, it's all too easy to simply move on from relationships that are difficult or challenging. But we can fight for unity and work to build bridges. In fact, this is a core message of the New Testament, like I said last week, as evidenced by the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. That's what Christ did. He bridged the gap to us. We were a needy, 
desperate, sinners, weary, burdened, heavy laden, heading to hell. And Jesus bridged the gap through his life, death, and resurrection. He calls us to do something similar. And with Christ as our example and leader, we can trust that through him we can accomplish anything. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this verse is oftentimes taken out of context to say, I can do all things who strengthen me. I can become a professional basketball player tomorrow. I'm 5'7". I'm not that good. It's not going to happen. Or I can be a billionaire. Or I can start to grow hair back on the top of my head. I wish that were true. That's not what the verse is talking about. If you put it in context, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's talking about the mission. He's talking about bridging the gap. He's talking about reaching people for Christ. He's talking about helping others. What Paul is talking about is what we can all, that we all can fulfill the mission that God has given us through the power of Christ. We can make a difference. We can be used by God to change lives. We can build bridges in our community. And we can transform our community to be more and more Christ-like by doing that. As we wrap up our time here today, I just want to briefly recap what we discussed the past couple weeks. Last week, we talked about the divine blueprints God has given us for the power of forgiveness and to reach others, and we said it's this. It's your Bible. And I said, if you haven't been in your Bible lately, it's 2023. Make a commitment to read it every day and learn about what God's calling you to do, who God is, and who you are. Get the church, hear God's word preached, expounded on, and applied to your life. It's important What's your plan for forgiveness and unity and reconciliation with others and leading them to Christ if it's not found in Scripture? Once you've done that, it's time, as we discussed today, to start putting together the tools and begin the building or rebuilding projects in our lives. Through the Spirit, we have access to a powerful divine tool set that can help us for any kingdom project. And they're those simple graces through the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to have love? The love of Christ in your life. Joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And what is God? God gives us those to reach others, not just for ourselves. Consider how these tools could benefit you as you begin to bridge uh, the gap to people around you. Pray. Pray and ask God to identify blind spots and shortcomings you have in your own life. Ask him to empower you, to use you, and to give you a heart for the harvest that is all around him, all around you. Ask him, pray that he allows you to be in tune with the Spirit so you see the opportunities that are available for you to reach out a helping hand and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lastly, strive to be more like George Washington or the Good Samaritan. Be a person of action. Let's be a church of action, willing and able to step into situations as they are presented to you. Move beyond the cultural taboos and the barriers. Move beyond societal hierarchies. Move beyond your own bias. Reach out your hand this week. Build a bridge. Which leads me to my challenge for you this week. It's build a bridge. I want you to go this week and do this. To actually do it. Build a bridge with someone you normally wouldn't. It's probably someone you know well in your life. Maybe, maybe it's a coworker. You can have that conversation with them. Maybe, they need, maybe they're in need. Maybe they're in the middle of a divorce. Maybe they're struggling financially. Be the bridge. Maybe it's a, your barista at the coffee shop. Maybe it's a neighbor. They're lonely. They're, they're, they're divorced. They're single. Invite them over for dinner. 
Maybe they're a family of kids. Invite them over for dinner. Try to have a spiritual conversation with them. Invite them to church. Start having a conversation. Maybe you don't even know your neighbor. Maybe it's a family member who's been drifting from the Lord uh, for months or years. Invite them back. Have that spiritual conversation. Pray with them. Talk with them about Jesus and the importance of being with God's people. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God wants to use you. The church is the only plan. You are the plan for reaching people. You are the plan to build the bridge. There is no other plan. God gave you the power, the people of God, through the Holy Spirit, to do what he's called you to do, to build bridges, to lead people to Christ, to help those who are in need. And you can do it. I know it's scary, and I know it's frightening, but through Christ, you can make a difference. Let's pray. Father God, God, I love the church. Your bride, Christ. God, you could have chosen to to reach people by any means necessarily. God, you can do whatever you please. God, but you choose to use us. Why? Why, why? why do you choose to use us? There probably were more efficient ways. God, you choose to use us because you want us to participate in your joy. God, you want us to have a participation in what you are doing in the world because you know that is the ultimate thing that we are made to do. There's no greater joy than leading someone to the Lord. There's no greater joy than helping someone in need. There's no greater joy than being the hands and feet of Jesus. God, is the very thing you made us for. God, and you empower us to do it. God, I, I pray that we are a church that does that, continues to do it, and does it more and more each and every week. God, that we build those bridges, participate in what you are doing in this community, and that we rejoice in what you are doing, God, and see it and the beauty of it. God, I thank you for each and every person here. May you walk with them this week. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.